Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 50 to 51 and in the previous episode we read chapters 48 to 49 and basically what had happened was they were now returning back, uh, the trio was returning back to Camp Jupiter to help fight against the uh, army, the giant army of Gaia and Polyboats and by the time they had reached the fight had already began so the most uh so they just hoped that they could join in and possibly help the camp gain easy uh, gain a victory against the army and not only that um it seems that percy's dream communication had worked after percy had contacted tyson through his dream and tyson had been able to arrive to camp jupiter along with ella and it seems there might be a budding romance between Tyson and Ella soon, uh, or it's already blooming. So we'll have to keep reading to find out more about that. But um, other than that, uh, uh, Percy basically uh, is now has basically remembered everything now. Uh, thanks to the Gorgon's blood, it helped him uh, expedite his memories, rec- memory recall much more faster. So now we're going to read chapter 50 to see how exactly they're going to fare in this battle against the giant army of polyboats and Gaia. Chapter 50, Percy. They were, without a doubt, the strangest reinforcements in Roman military history. Hazel rode Arian, who had recovered enough to carry one person at normal horse speed, though he cursed about his aching hooves all the way downhill. Frank transformed into a bald eagle, which... Percy still found totally unfair and soared above them. Tyson ran down the hill, waving his club and yelling, Bad pony men! Boo! While Ella fluttered around him, reciting facts from the old farmer's almanac. As for Percy, he rode Mrs. O'Leary into battle with a chariot full of imperial gold equipment, clanking and clinking behind. The golden eagle standard of the 12th Legion raised high above him. They skirted the perimeter of the camp and took the northernmost bridge over the Little Tiber, charging onto the field of Mars at the western edge of the battle. A horde of Cyclops was hammering away at the campers of the 5th cohort, who were trying to keep their shields locked just to stay alive. Seeing them in trouble, Percy felt a surge of protective rage. These were the kids who'd taken him in. This was his family. He shouted, Fifth Cohort! and slammed into the nearest Cyclops. The last things he, the poor monster, saw were Mrs. O'Leary's teeth. After the Cyclops disintegrated, and stayed disintegrated thanks to death, Percy leaped off his hellhound and slashed wildly through the other monsters. Tyson charged at the Cyclops leader, Ma Gasket, her chainmail dress spattered with mud and decorated with broken spears. She gawked at Tyson and started to say, Who? Tyson hit her in the head so hard she spun in a circle and landed on her rump. Bad Cyclops lady, he bellowed. General Tyson says go away. He hit her again and Ma Gasket broke into dust. Meanwhile, Hazel charged around on Arian, slicing her spatha through one Cyclops after another, while Frank blinded the enemies with his talons. Once every Cyclops within 50 yards had been reduced to ashes, Frank landed in front of his troops and transformed into a human. His centurion's badge and mule crown gleamed on his winter jacket. Fifth cohort, he bellowed. 
Get your Imperial Gold weapons right here! The campers recovered from their shock and mobbed the chariot. Percy did his best to hand out equipment quickly. Let's go, let's go! Dakota urged, grinning like a madman as he swigged red Kool-Aid from his flask. Our comrades need help! Soon, the fifth cohort was equipped with new weapons and shields and helmets. They weren't exactly consistent. In fact, they'd been looking like they'd been shopping at a King Midas sale, clearance sale. But they were suddenly the most powerful cohort in the Legion. Follow the eagle, Frank ordered. To battle! The campers cheered. As Percy and Mrs. O'Leary charged onward, the entire cohort followed. Forty extremely shiny gold-plated warriors screaming for blood. They slammed into a herd of wild centaurs that were attacking the third cohort. When the campers of the third saw the eagle standard, they shouted insanely and fought with renewed effort. The centaurs didn't stand a chance. The two cohorts crushed them like a vise. Soon there was nothing left but piles of dust and sorted hooves and horns. Percy hoped Chiron would forgive him, but these centaurs weren't like the party ponies he'd met before. They were some other breed. They had to be defeated. Form ranks! The centurion shouted. The two cohorts came together, their military training kicking in. Shields locked, they marched into battle against the Earthborn. Frank shouted, Pilla! A hundred spears bristled. When Frank yelled, Fire! They sailed through the air, a wave of death cutting through the six armed monsters. The campers drew swords and advanced toward the center of the battle. At the base of the aqueduct, the first and second cohorts were trying to encircle polyboats, but they were taking a pounding. The remaining earthborn threw barrage after barrage of stone and mud. Carpoy grain spirits, those horrible little piranha cupids, were rushing through the tall grass, abducting campers at random, pulling them away from the line. The giant himself kept shaking basilisks out of his hair. Every time one landed, the Romans panicked and ran. Judging from their corroded shield and the smoking plumes on their helmets, they'd already learned about the basilisk's poison and fire. Reyna soared above the giant, diving in with her javelin whenever he turned his attention to the ground troops. Her purple cloak snapped in the wind. Her golden armor gleamed. Polybutch jabbed his trident and swung his way to net, but Scipio was almost as nimble as Arian. Then Reyna noticed the fifth cohort marching to their aid with the eagle. She was so stunned, the giant almost swatted her out of the air, but Scipio dodged. Reyna locked eyes with Percy and gave him a huge smile. Romans! Her voice boomed across the fields. Rally to the eagle! Demigods and monsters alike turned and gawked as Percy bounded forward on his hellhound. What is this? Polybots demanded. What is this? Percy felt a rush of power coursing through the standard staff. He raised the eagle and shouted, Twelfth Legion Fulminata! Thunder shook the valley. The eagle let loose a blinding flash and a thousand tendrils of lightning exploded from its golden wings, arching in front of Percy like the branches of an enormous deadly tree, connecting with the nearest monsters, leaping from one to another, completely ignoring the Roman forces. When lightning stopped, when the lightning stopped, the first and second cohorts were facing one surprise-looking giant and several hundred smoking piles of ash. 
The enemy's center line had been charred to oblivion. The look on Octavian's face was priceless. The centurion stared at Percy with shock, then outrage. Then, when his own troops started to cheer, he had no choice except to join the shouting. Rome! Rome! The giant polyboats backed up uncertainly, but Percy knew the battle wasn't over. The The fourth cohort was still surrounded by Cyclops. Even Hannibal the Elephant was having a hard time wading through so many monsters. His black Kevlar armor was ripped so, j- so that his label just said Ant. The veterans and layers on the eastern flank were being pushed toward the city. The monster's siege tower was still hurling explosive green fireballs into the streets. The Gorgons had disabled the giant eagles and now flew unchallenged over the giant's remaining centaurs and the earthborn, trying to rally them. Stand your ground, Steno yelled. I've got free samples. Polyboats bellowed. A dozen fresh basilics fell out of his hair, turning the, the grass to poison yellow. You think this changes anything, Percy Jackson? I cannot be destroyed. Come forward, son of Neptune. I will break you. Percy dismounted. He handed Dakota the standard. You are the cohort's senior centurion take care of this. Dakota blinked. Then he straightened with pride. He dropped his Kool-Aid flask and took the eagle. I will carry it with honor. Frank, Hazel, Tyson, Percy said, help the fourth cohort. I've got a giant to kill. He raised Riptide, but before he could uh, could advance, horns blew in the northern hills. Another army appeared on the ridge. Hundreds of warriors in black and gray camouflage, armed with spears and shields, Interspersed among their ranks were a dozen battle forklifts, their sharpened times, tines gleaming in the sunset and flaming bolts knocked in their crossbows. Amazons, Frank said. Great. Polyboats laughed. You see? Our re- reinforcements have arrived. Rome will fall today. The Amazons lowered their spears and charged the tour down the hill. The forklifts bar- barreled into battle. The giant's army cheered until the Amazons changed course and headed straight for the monster's intact eastern flank. Amazons onward, forward! On the largest forklift stood a girl who looked like an older version of Reyna, in black combat armor with a glittering gold belt around her wis- waist. Queen Hilla, said Hazel. She survived. The Amazon queen shouted, To my sister's aid, destroy the monsters. Destroy! Her troops' cry echoed through the valley. Reyna wheeled her pegasus toward Percy. Her eyes gleamed. Her expression said, I could hug you right now. She shouted, Romans, advance! The battlefield descended into absolute chaos. Amazon and Roman lines swung toward the enemy like the doors of death themselves. But Percy had won only one goal. He pointed at the giant. You, me, to the finish. They met by the aqueduct, which had somehow survived the battle so far. Polywood's fixed that. He swiped his trident and smashed the nearest brick arch, unleashing a waterfall. Go on then, son of Neptune, Polywood's taunted. Let me see your power. Does water do your bidding? Does it heal you? But I am born to oppose Neptune. The giant thrust his hand under the water. As the torrent passed through his fingers, it turned tar a dark green. 
He flung some at Percy, who instinctively deflected it with his will. The liquid splattered the ground in front of him. With a nasty hiss, the grass withered and smoked. My touch turns water to poison, Polybot said. Let's see what it does to your blood. He threw his net at Percy, but Percy rolled out of the way. He diverted the waterfall straight into the giant's face. While Polyboats was blinded, Percy charged. He plunged Riptide into the giant's belly, then withdrew it and vaulted away, leaving the giant roaring in pain. The strike would have dissolved any lesser monster, but Polyboats just staggered and looked down at the golden ichor, the blood of immortals, spilling from his wound. The cut was already closing. Good try, demigod, he snarled. But I I will break you still. Gotta catch me first, Percy said. He turned and bolted toward the city. What? The giant yelled incredulously, incredulously. You run, coward? Stand still and die. Percy had no intention of doing that. He knew he couldn't kill Polybutz alone, but he didn't have a plan. He passed Mrs. O'Leary, who looked up curiously with a gorgon wriggling in her mouth. I'm fine, Percy yelled as he ran by, followed by a giant screaming bloody murder. He jumped over a burning scorpion and ducked as Hannibal threw a cyclops across his path. Out of the corner of his eye, he he saw Tyson pounding the earthborn into the ground like a game of whack-a-mole. Ella was fluttering above him, dodging missiles and calling out advice. The groin. The the earthborn's groin is sensitive. Smash! Good. Yes, Tyson found its groin. Percy need help? Tyson called. I'm good! Die! Polywoods yelled, closing fast. Percy kept running. In the distance, he saw Hazel and Arian galloping across the battlefield, cutting down centaurs and carpoy. One grain spirit yelled, Wheat! I'll give you wheat! But Arian stomped him into a pile of breakfast cereal. Queen Hilla and Reyna joined forces, forklift and Pegasus riding together, scattering the dark shades of fallen warriors. Frank turned himself into an elephant and stomped through some cyclops, and Dakota held the golden eagle high, blasting lightning at any monster that dared to challenge the fifth cohort. All that was great, but Percy needed a different kind of help. He needed a god. He glanced back and saw the giant almost within arm's reach. To buy some time, Percy ducked behind one of the aqueduct's columns. The giant swung his trident. When the column crumbled, Percy used the unleashed water to guide the collapse, bringing down several tons of bricks on the giant's head. Percy bolted for the city limits. Terminus! he yelled. The nearest statue of the god was about 60 feet ahead. His stone eyes snapped open as Percy ran toward him. Completely unacceptable, he complained. Buildings on fire! Invaders, get them out of your Percy Jackson! I'm trying, he said. But there's this giant, Polyboats. Yes, I know. Wait, excuse me a moment. Terminus closed his eyes in concentration. A, fa- a flaming green cannonball sailed overhead and suddenly vaporized. I can't stop all the missiles, Terminus complained. Why can't that be civilized and attack more slowly? I'm only one god. Help me kill the giant, Percy said, and all of this will, o- will be over. A god and demigod working together. That's the only way to kill him. Terminus sniffed. I guard borders. I don't kill giants. It's not in my job description. Terminus, come on! Percy took another step forward, and the god shrieked indignantly. 
Stop there, young man. No weapons inside the Palmer Palm Palmarian line. But we're under attack. I don't care. Rules are rules. When people don't follow the rules, I get very, very angry. Percy smiled. Hold that thought. He sprinted back toward the giant. Hey, ugly! Roar! Polyboots burst from the ruins of the aqueduct. The water was still pouring over him, turning to poison and creating a steaming marsh around his feet. You. You will die slowly, the giant promised. He picked up his trident, now dripping with green venom. All around them, the battle was winding down as the last monsters were mopped up. Percy's friends started gathering, forming a ring around the giant. I will take you prisoner, Percy Jackson, Polybooth snarled. I will torture you under the sea. Every day the water will heal you, and every day I will bring you closer to death. Great offer, Percy said, but I think I'll just kill you instead. Polybos bellowed in rage. He shook his head and more basilisks flew from his hair. Get back, Frank warned. Fresh chaos spread through the ranks. Hazel spurred Arian and put herself between the basilisks and the campers. Frank changed from Frank changed form, shrinking into something lean and furry. A weasel? Percy thought Frank had lost his mind. But when Frank charged the basilisks, they absolutely freaked out. They slithered away with Frank chasing them, uh, chasing after them in hot, weaselly pursuit. Polyboats pointed his trident and ran toward Percy. As the giant reached the Pomerian line, Percy jumped across aside like a bullfighter. Polyboats barreled across the city limits. That's it, Terminus cried. That's against the rules. Polyboats frowned, obviously confused that he was being told off by a statue. What are you? He growled. Shut up! He pushed the statue over and turned back to Percy. Now I'm mad! Terminus shrieked. I'm strangling you. Feel that? Those are my hands around your neck, you big bully. Get over here. I'm gonna headbutt you so hard. Enough! The giant stepped on the statue and broke Terminus in three pieces. Pedestal? body and head you didn't shouted terminus percy jackson you've got yourself a deal let's kill this upstart this giant the giant laughed so hard that he didn't realize percy was charging until it was too late percy jumped up vaulting off the giant's knee and drove riptide straight in through one of the metal mounts on polyboat's breastplate sinking the celestial bronze hilt deep in his chest the giant stumbled backward, tripping over Terminus's pedestal and crashing to the ground. While he was trying to get up, clawing at the sword in his chest, Percy hefted the head of the statue. You'll never win, the giant groaned. You cannot defeat me alone. I'm not alone. Percy raised the stone head above the giant's face. I'd like you to meet my friend Terminus. He's a god. Too late, awareness and fear dawned in the giant's face. Percy smashed the god's head as hard as he could into the polyboat's nose, and the giant dissolved, crumbling into a steaming heap of seaweed, reptile skin, and poisonous muck. Percy staggered away, completely exhausted. Ha! said the head of Terminus. That'll teach him to obey the rules of Rome. 
For a moment, the battlefield was silent, except for a few fires burning and a few retreating monsters screaming in panic. A ragged circle of Romans and Amazons stood around Percy. Tyson, Ella, and Mrs. O'Leary were there. Frank and Hazel were grinning at him with pride. Arian was nibbling contentedly on a golden shield. The Romans began to chant, Percy, Percy! They mobbed him. Before he knew it, they were raising him on a shield. The cry changed to, Praetor, Praetor! Among the chanters was Reyna herself, who held up her hand and grasped Percy in congratulation. Then the mob of cheering Romans carried him around the Pomerian line, carefully avoiding Terminus's borders, and escorted him back home to Camp Jupiter. And that's the end of chapter 50. That was certainly a very intense and awesome chapter. I definitely feel like that was one of the most... That, that was, it was really satisfying to read and be able to imagine the defeat of Polyboats when Percy and Terminus had joined hands together. And I feel like the way that Percy is able to cleverly come up with tactics like these in order to defeat monsters is something that is so genius that I feel like that's something that should be something that's admired of him. And I feel that, you know, some of it, maybe some of the influence comes from Annabeth. But I feel that, you know, that idea of getting Terminus angry and bringing Polyboats into the territory of Terminus was priceless. Just being able to imagine that situation happening and being having Polyboats be destroyed. So after the break, we'll read chapter 51 and uh, we'll see how the rest of this... Uh, celebration goes in terms of uh, beating the giant army of polyboats see you after the non-existent ads and we're back from the ads that probably don't exist so now we're going to read chapter 51 percy the feast of fortuna had nothing to do with tuna which was fine with percy Campers, Amazons, and layers crowded the mess hall for a lavish dinner. Even the fawns were invited since they'd helped out by bandaging the wounded after the battle. Wind nymphs sipped around the room, delivering orders of pizza, burgers, steaks, salads, Chinese food, and burritos, all flying at terminal velocity. Despite the ex- exhausting battle, everyone was in good spirits. Casualties had been light, and the few campers who'd previously died, and come back to life, like Gwen, hadn't been taken to the underworld. Maybe Thanatos had turned a blind eye, or maybe Pluto had given those folks a pass like he had for Hazel. Whatever the case, nobody complained. Colorful colorful Amazon Roman banners hung side by side from the rafters. The restored Golden Eagle stood proudly behind the Praetor's table, and the walls were decorated with cornucopias. Magical horns aplenty that spilled out recycling waterfalls of fruit, chocolate, and fresh-baked cookies. The cohorts mingled freely with the Amazons, jumping from couch to couch as they pleased, and for once, the soldiers of the 5th were welcome everywhere. Percy changed seats so many times he lost track of his dinner. There's a lot of flirting and arm wrestling, which seemed to be the same thing for the Amazons. At one point, Percy was cornered by Kinsey, the Amazon who disarmed him in Seattle. He had to explain that he already had a girlfriend. Fortunately, Kinsey took it well. She told him what had happened after they left Seattle, how Hilla had defeated her challenger Artrera in two consecutive duels to the death, so that the Amazons were now calling their queen Hilla twice kill. 
Achara stayed dead the second time, Kinsey said, batting her eyes. We have you to thank for that. If you ever need a new girlfriend, well, I, I think you'd look great in an all iron collar and an orange jumpsuit. Percy couldn't tell if she was kidding or not. He politely thanked her and changed seats. Once everyone had eaten and the plates had stopped flying, Reyna made a short speech. She formally welcomed the Amazons, thanking them for their help, and then she hugged her sister and everyone. everybody applauded. Reyna raised her hands for quiet. My sister and I haven't always seen eye to eye. Hilla laughed. <laughs> That's an understatement. She joined the Amazons. Reyna continued. I joined Camp Jupiter. But looking around this room, I think we both made good choices. Strangely, our destinies were made possible by the hero you all just raised to Praetor on the battlefield. Percy Jackson. More cheering. The sisters raised their glasses to Percy and beckoned him forward. Everybody asked for a speech, but Percy didn't know what to say. He protested that he wasn't really the best person for Praetor, but the campers drowned him out with applause. Reyna took away his probatio neckplate. Octavian shot him a dirty look, then turned to the crowd and smiled like this was all his idea. He ripped open a teddy bear and pronounced good omens for the coming year. Fortuna would bless them. He passed his hand over Percy's arm and shouted, Percy Jackson, son of Neptune, first year of service. The Roman symbols burned onto Percy's arm. A trident, SPQR, and a single stripe. It felt like someone was pressing a hot iron into his skin, but Percy managed not to scream. Octavian embraced him and whispered, I hope it hurt. Then Reyna gave him an eagle medal and purple cloak, symbols of the praetor. You earned these, Percy. Queen Hilla pounded him on the back. And I've decided not to kill you. Um, thanks, Percy said. He made his way around the mess hall one more time because all the campers wanted him at, the, at their table. Vitalius the Lar followed. Vitalius the Lar followed, stumbling over his shimmering purple toga and readjusting his sword, telling everyone how he'd predicted Percy's rise to greatness. I demanded he join the fifth cohort, the ghost said proudly, spotted his talent right away. Don the Fawn popped up in a nurse's hat, a stack of cookies in each hand. Man, congrats and stuff. Awesome. Hey, do you have any spare change? All the attention embarrassed Percy, but he was happy to see how well Hazel and Frank were being treated. Everyone called them the saviors of Rome. And they deserved it. There was even talk about reinstating Frank's great-grandfather, Shen Lun, to the Legion's role of honor. Apparently, he hadn't caused the 1906 earthquake after all. Percy sat for a while with Tyson and Ella, who were honored guests at Dakota's table. Tyson kept calling for peanut butter sandwiches, eating them as fast as the nymphs could deliver. Ella perched at his shoulder on the top of the couch and nibbled furiously on cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls are good for harpies, she said. June 24th is a good day. Roy Disney's birthday. And Fortuna's feast. And Independence Day for Zanzibar. And Tyson. She glanced at Tyson, then blushed and looked away. After dinner, the entire Legion got the night off. Percy and his friends drifted down to the city, which wasn't quite recovered from the battle, but the fires were out. Most of the debris had been swept up, and the citizens were determined to celebrate. At the Pomerian Line, the statue of Terminus wore a paper party hat. Welcome, Praetor, he said. You need any giant's faces smashed while you're in town? Just let me know. Thanks, Terminus, Percy said. I'll keep that in mind. Yes, 
good. Your Praetor's cape is an inch too low on the left. There, that's better. Where's my assistant? Julia! The little girl ran out from behind the pedestal. She was wearing a green dress tonight, and her hair was still in pigtails. When she smiled, Percy saw that her front teeth were starting to come in. She held up a box full of purdy hats. Percy tried to decline, but Julia gave him the big, adoring eyes. Ah, sure, he said. I'll take the blue crown. She offered Hazel a gold pirate hat. I'm going to be Percy Jackson when I grow up, she told Hazel solemnly. Hazel smiled and ruffled her hair. That's a good thing to be, Julia. Although, Frank said, picking out a hat shaped like a polar bear's head. Frank Zhang would be good, too. Frank, Hazel said. They put on their they put on their hats and continued to the forum, which was lit up with multicolored lanterns. The fountains glowed purple, the coffee shops were doing a brisk business, and street musicians filled the air with the sounds of guitar, lyre, panpipes, and armpit noises. Percy didn't get that last one. Maybe it was an old Roman musical tradition. The goddess Iris must have been in a party mood too. As friend as Percy and his friends strolled past the da- damaged Senate house, a dazzling rainbow appeared in the night sky. Unfortunately, the goddess sent another blessing, too. A gentle rain of gluten-free raffle cupcake simulations, which Percy figured would either make cleaning up harder or rebuilding easier. The cupcakes would make great bricks. For a while, Percy wandered the streets with Hazel and Frank, who kept brushing shoulders. Finally, he said, I'm a little tired, guys. You guys go ahead. Hazel and Frank protested, but Percy could tell they wanted some time alone. As he headed back to camp, he saw Mrs. O'Leary playing with Hannibal in the field of Mars. Finally, she'd found a playmate she could roughhouse with. They frolicked around, slamming into each other, breaking fortifications, and generally having an excellent time. At the fort gates, Percy stopped and gazed across the valley. It seemed like so long ago that he stood there with Hazel, getting his first good view of camp. Now he was more interested in watching the eastern horizon. Tomorrow, maybe the next day, his friends from Camp Half-Blood would arrive. As much as he cared about Camp Jupiter, he couldn't wait to see Annabeth again. He yearned for his old life, New York and Camp Half-Blood. But something told him it might be a while before he returned home. Gaia and the Giants weren't done causing trouble. Not by a long shot. Reyna had given him the second Praetor's house on the Via Principalis. But as soon as Percy looked inside, he knew he couldn't stay there. It was nice, but it was also full of Jason Grace's stuff. Percy already felt uneasy taking Jason's title of Praetor. He didn't want to take the guy's house, too. Things would be awkward enough when Jason came back, and Percy was sure that he would be on that dragon-headed warship. Percy headed back to the 5th cohort barracks and climbed onto his bunk. He passed out instantly. He dreamed he was carrying Juno across the little Tiber. She was disguised as a crazy old bag lady, smiling and singing an ancient Greek lullaby as her leathery hands gripped Percy's neck. Do you still want to slap me, dear? She asked. Percy stopped midstream. He let go and dumped the goddess in the river. The moment she hit the water, she vanished and reappeared on shore. Oh my, she cackled. That wasn't very heroic, even in a dream. Eight months, Percy said. You stole eight months of my life for a quest that took a week. Why? Juno tutted disapprovingly. You mortals and your short lives. Eight months is nothing, my dear. I lost eight centuries once. Missed most of the Byzantine Empire. Percy summoned the power of the river. It swirled around him, spinning into a froth of white water. 
Now, now, Juno said, don't get testy. If we are to defeat Gaia, our plans must be timed perfectly. First, I needed Jason and his friends to free me from my prison. Your prison? You were in prison and they let you out? Don't sound so surprised, my dear. I'm a sweet old woman. At any rate, you weren't needed at Camp Jupiter until now to save the Romans at their moment of greatest crisis. Eight months between. Well, I do have other plans brewing, my boy. Opposing Gaia, working behind Jupiter's back, protecting your friends, is a full-time job. If I had to guard you from Gaia's monsters and schemes as well, and keep you hidden from your friends back east all that time, nah, much better you take a safe nap. You would have been a distraction. A loose cannon. A distraction. Percy felt the water rising with his anger, spinning faster around him. A loose cannon. Exactly. I'm glad you understand. Percy sent a wave crashing down on the old woman, but Juno simply disappeared and materialized farther down the shore. My, she said, you are in a bad mood. But you know I'm right. Your timing here was perfect. They trust you now. You are a hero of Rome. And while you slept, Jason Grace has learned to trust the Greeks. They've had time to build the Argo too. Argo the second. Together, you and Jason will unite the camps. Why me? Percy demanded. You and I never got along. Why would you want a loose cannon on your team? Because I know you, Percy Jackson. In many ways, you are impulsive, but when it comes to your friends, you are as constant as a compass needle. You are unswervingly loyal, and you will inspire loyalty. You are the glue that will unite the seven. Great, Percy said. I've always wanted to be glue. Juno laced her crooked fingers. The heroes of Olympus must unite. After your victory over Kronos in Manhattan, well, I fear that wounded Jupiter's self-esteem. Because I was right, Percy said, and he was wrong. The old lady shrugged. He should be used to that, after so many eons married to me. But alas, my proud and obstinate husband refuses to ask mere demigods for help again. He believes the giants can be fought without you, and Gaia can be forced back to her slumber slumbers. I know better, but you must prove yourself. Only by sailing to the ancient lands and closing the doors of death will you convince Jupiter that you are worthy of fighting side by side with the gods. It will be the greatest quest since Aeneas sailed from Troy. And if we fail, Percy said, if Romans and Greeks don't get along, then Gaia has already won. I'll tell you this, Percy Jackson, the one who will cause you the most trouble is the one closest to you. The one who hates me the most. Annabeth? Percy felt his anger rising again. You never liked her. Now you're calling her a troublemaker? You don't know her at all. She's the person I most want watching my back. The goddess smiled dryly. We will see, young hero. She has a hard task ahead of her when you arrive in Rome. Whether she is up to it, I do not know. Percy summoned a fist of water and smashed it down at the old lady. When the wave receded... She was gone. The river swirled out of Percy's control. He sank into the darkness of the whirlpool. And that's the end of chapter 51. Looks like all of our theories of why Percy and Frank and Jason were switched at the two camps has come true. They both were switched in order to unite the two camps. And it seems that... With Percy gaining the trust of Camp Jupiter and Jason gaining the trust of Camp Half-Blood, 
Juno slash Hera believes that it will be easier for the two camps to be united now. We don't know how far this plan will go as well, but hopefully it does go well because it seems like the best effort that Juno slash Hera could make in order to unite the two camps together and possibly help the gods come in as well in order to beat Gaia and the army, the giant army. So next week, we'll read chapters 52 to 53 to see how exactly the rest of this chapter fares. Will Percy go back to Camp Half-Blood to meet Annabeth? Will he go to Rome instead and wait off seeing Annabeth? We'll have to see if they ever meet at all. We'll have to see if Percy ever meets Jason as well, because it seems that both of them have very important responsibilities in their both respective camps. So seeing the two of them meet each other would definitely be interesting. So we'll have to see how the rest of this book fares. And hopefully it's going to be a very, it's going to be a fun and interesting ride. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you guys enjoyed the podcast as a whole, please support me on Patreon. Um, I did put a new goal on Patreon saying if I reach 50 patrons, I'll try my best to provide some benefits, maybe some uh, merchandise or some extra episodes i don't know um it's a mystery uh we'll have to see but um yeah so if you guys really enjoyed this episode please support me on patreon uh and yeah continue to uh and i hope you guys enjoyed this uh, podcast episode and uh stay tuned for next week uh so until next week stay safe and stay out of boredom